Like any good self-respecting film and television buff, my mind is literally a mental warehouse filled wall-to-wall with a collection of classic movie lines and favorite quotes from a wide range of TV shows over the past several decades. Now, to be honest, most of them are funny, because funny is just how we do it at our house. But a few of them, a very small handful, were memorized for a variety of other reasons. One of those exceptions is a line from the iconic 1996 film Jerry Maguire, and the reason it's one of my favorites is because in just a very few words, it was able to sum up the entire essence of my real estate investing philosophy. And by the way, it's not the line you think it is. Show me the money! Yeah, not that one. My favorite line from that movie is a whole lot less obnoxious than that, and it doesn't get screamed either. In fact, it's spoken at barely above a whisper, in a far more subtle and emotional moment that comes much later in the film. I instantly liked this particular line because it perfectly captured the spirit of my core complementary techniques philosophy. Now, if you don't already know what that is, don't sweat it, because you're about to learn exactly what it means, as well as why you should consider adopting that very same philosophy in this episode of the Creative Real Estate Investing Podcast. Creative real estate strategies, unique insights, simple enough for beginners, powerful enough for seasoned pros, and all with zero hype or bullshit. You're listening to the Creative Real Estate Investing Podcast with Nick Modarelli, the show designed to put you and keep you on the leading edge of real estate investing. And now, here's Nick. Here's Nick. Here's Nick. So what exactly do I mean by core complementary techniques? And which real estate techniques in particular am I talking about when I say that? Well, let's start first with a key operative word in that phrase, and that word is complementary. Now, it's not so much about the word itself, but rather how it's spelled. You see, many people don't know this, but there are actually two different ways to spell complementary, and they both mean very different things. The most common version of complementary the one that we all know really well and use most often is spelled with an I, like this. C-O-M-P-L-I-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y. Now, as we all know, that means expressing a compliment or giving some form of praise, as in, love your shoes, or you'd make a great model for an oil painting, which, by the way, is usually more of a backhanded compliment because it basically implies that you look a whole lot better from a distance. Anyway, Complimentary with an I also means getting something of value for free, as in receiving a complimentary stay in a hotel or a complimentary lunch in exchange for attending an event, etc. But when complimentary is spelled with an E instead, the way I'm using it here, as in C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y, the word takes on an entirely different meaning altogether. And Jerry Maguire perfectly summed up what that looks like in real life in just three words. You complete me. You see, when complimentary is spelled with an E, it changes the root word from complement to complete. So when I talk about core complementary techniques with an E, I'm talking about a small handful of specific real estate buying and selling techniques that would complete you as a well-rounded real estate entrepreneur. And by that, 
I mean it would equip you to conduct business in virtually any marketplace condition. It would also relieve you of any concerns about the future direction of that marketplace because for you, it would no longer matter if your local market is trending up, down, or sideways. Because as a well-rounded real estate entrepreneur who's been armed in advance with an arsenal of the right complementary buying and selling techniques, you'd be ready to meet whatever comes at you right up front, head on, and without any delays. Just like that early bird I mentioned in the last podcast, you know, the one that gets most of the worms, but without the typical fear of that early bird turning into the unfortunate first mouse who reaches the cheese before anyone else and ends up losing their head in a dangerous spring-loaded real-life booby trap. Now, in case you don't remember the fix for that early bird first mouse paradox in the last episode, here it is again. You need to leverage the experiences of people, like me for instance, who have already been to the leading edge of past marketplace changes so that they can show you exactly how to safely position yourself at the leading edge of every future marketplace change before they even occur. And this podcast is basically all about how you do just that. You see, by learning all of the following techniques that I'm about to share with you, all at once, up front, and in advance of the need, you would be proactively turning yourself into a complete real estate entrepreneur who is not only bubble-proof, but recession-proof as well. Maybe now you can see why I like the core complementary technique philosophy so much, as well as that three-second line from Jerry Maguire, that, which so perfectly captured the essence of it. Okay, so now that we've got all that background prefacing out of the way, let's move on to taking a brief look at these complementary, with an E, buying and selling real estate techniques, as well as what makes them complementary to one another. Oh, well, first, one last thing. Before I tell you what these techniques are, let me first tell you what they are not. First of all, they are not the only techniques that you can use to make money in any given real estate market. So I want to make sure that we're crystal clear right up front that I'm not suggesting that they are. They're also not necessarily the most profitable techniques that you can possibly be using in any of those same markets in any given time. I'm only saying that they'll work. And last but not least, they're not techniques which can always be used generically right out of the box in every application, but instead will sometimes need to be tweaked a little in order to match the particular dynamics of each marketplace. So let's look at those techniques now. They are, in no particular order, number one, wholesaling. Number two, lease purchase. It's also known as lease options, which are in form and function quite similar, but I do prefer lease purchase for reasons you'll learn later. Number three, seller financing in the form of either land contracts or seller carrybacks. Number four, subject twos. Number five, short sales. And number six, options, which ironically is an optional strategy that you may or may not need depending on where you live. You'll learn more about what each one of these techniques are, as well as how to best use them in certain marketplace conditions over the course of several upcoming podcast episodes. But for now, let's just take an overarching look at what makes this small handful of real estate buying and selling techniques so, well, complementary to one another. First of all, as you'll soon learn, all of these techniques will in some way help you to manage a critical component of your deals that I refer to as transactional equity. Now, just plain equity, as you may or may not already know, is the difference between the market value of a property and the total of what is owed on that property at the moment. 
A transactional equity is a little different. It is basically the spread between your contracted buy price and your contracted resale price with little or no regard as to what's owed on it. Now, I know there are lots of investors and instructors out there who would just simply refer to that spread as your gross profit on the deal, but I disagree. I prefer to use the term transactional equity instead because, see, you don't have any profits at all, gross or net, until that equity spread that you created through the use of transactions is actually converted into cash. And since most of the complementary techniques involve some terms that can take months or even years to reach completion, your transactional equity will remain a fluid concept subject to possible changes at some point in the future. Now, some of these complementary techniques will provide you with the ability to capture as much transactional equity as possible right up front through just simple negotiation when the property has a substantial amount of just plain old equity available. And others will provide you with the ability to artificially create some transactional equity out of thin air when the property doesn't. And in some cases, you may even be able to combine two or more of these complementary techniques on the same deal, which could allow you, for instance, to capture as much of the available equity as possible on your buy side up front, and then create some additional equity on your sell side to make your overall transactional equity even higher. So why is all this stuff about equity so important anyway? Well, because remember, your profit as a real estate entrepreneur will usually come from the equity that you can capture and or create in the properties that you buy and sell. So the less equity that's already there, the less you can make. And conversely, the more equity that's there, the more you can make. But then you may also be wondering, well, what if your goal is to hold properties as long-term rentals instead of buying and reselling everything? In that case, equity really isn't so much of an issue, right? And the answer to that would be yes and really no. So then why isn't landlording listed as one of the complementary techniques? Well, for two reasons. First, landlording isn't really a technique. It's a skill and a very valuable one at that. So please don't get the impression that I'm discounting it or anything. And second, Holding properties long-term for rental cash flow has been proven to not be a fail-safe method for generating profits in virtually any economy. You see, market conditions can sometimes be very unfavorable to rental rates. Certain economic factors can occasionally conspire to drive down market rents pretty quickly and significantly, or even shut off rental revenue completely, as we saw in the early stages of the COVID pandemic. Any one of these events could suddenly turn properties with slim or even moderately positive monthly cash flows into cash-sucking anchors around the landlord's neck. I've actually seen this happen to more than one investor colleague in my career. Sometimes all it takes is just one of their properties to pull them underwater to the point where their entire portfolio of rentals just comes crashing down around them like a fragile house of cards. This can easily end careers that took up to 15 or 20 years to build. All of that said, however, if building a portfolio of long-term rentals really is your goal, then there are a few of the core complementary techniques that you could use to creatively buy properties on long-term agreements with monthly payments that are well below market rental rates. That way, you could then lease the property back out to tenants at a true monthly positive cash flow. And in a case like that, you would be creating transactional equity that is measured in months rather than a lump sum. So now you might be wondering, how would that be any different than being a landlord in the traditional sense that I had just described earlier? Well, using one of the core complementary techniques to finance the deal directly with the seller 
can give you options that a typical landlord wouldn't have in the event your rental market should suddenly tank unexpectedly. Why? Well, first of all, most landlords are taught to use the BRRRR method, which sometimes is just called BRRRR, which means buy, rehab, refinance, rent, and repeat. This means nearly every landlord will end up with a traditional bank loan that requires personal guarantees of repayment on every one of their rental properties. That, as you'll learn in a later podcast on managing risk, can be a very dangerous place to put yourself. But if you can use one of the core complementary techniques to finance the deal privately with the seller, you can arrange to not be personally liable for the monthly payments or the total amount financed, as you would be on every institutional bank loan. In addition to that, you would have significantly more flexibility to quickly negotiate a change in your payment terms or amount owed if you're dealing with an individual seller should that become necessary due to some sudden market shift. You see, modifying a traditional bank loan is somewhere between difficult and impossible. It's also rarely ever fast enough to keep you above water, and it almost always comes with some additional ugly strings on the back end. But if you're financed with an individual and one of your properties goes deeply underwater quickly, you wouldn't have to worry about losing all of your other properties too. That's because you could potentially renegotiate the terms on just the upside-down property alone until it's right-side up again. Or have the option to just give the underwater property back to the seller and walk away. Either solution would eliminate your danger of potential losses on the underwater property, as well as confining all of your risk exposure to just that one property with no bleed over to all of your other rentals. This would remove the dangerous linchpin catalyst that can trigger the domino effect of a house of cards collapse for the average landlord and help to keep you and the rest of your rental portfolio safe. So whether your objective is to create profitable buy and sell transactions or generate long-term rental income, your best bet is to proactively complete yourself as a real estate entrepreneur by incorporating all of the core complementary techniques into your arsenal of buying and selling strategies well before you would ever need to use them. Well, that's all I've got for you in this episode of the Creative Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Nick Motorelli. Thanks for listening.